Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our fifth and final edition of Final Fantasy VIII with Mel. How's it going, dude? Hey, Sultan. You forgot to introduce yourself, unless you did it earlier in the pre-recorded section. No, I was going to do it, but I, I was going to let you go first today. Oh, you're so polite. Go ahead. Yeah, and I am the legendary Zoltan, and this is Turn-Based Memories. And uh, yeah, we've come a long way talking about Final Fantasy VIII, and finally... We're at the end. Uh, Mel has... So today we're talking about the Ragnarok ship when it's a dungeon. And then you're going to save Renoa, and then you're going to go to the flower field, and then you're going to meet freaking Laguna. Can't wait to hear about that. And then he's going to lay out the plan, and then you're going to go into the Luna Pan, Lunatic Pandora, kill a bunch of bosses, and then go into Ultimicia's castle, and then it's the meme. Time compression. I wonder what you have to say about all that, Mel. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, all right. So this time around, I took notes as I was going through the game. Um, and I took, like, shorthand notes, little comments on what I was doing before. I was taking, like, uh, sort of little breaks in between. And then I'd compose a whole diary entry. If you've listened to the previous episodes, you'll hear me read that off and then we pause to make our comments. Uh, this time I did something more short form so that I don't f miss over anything. Odds are I'll fucking forget something anyhow, but here mm. I think this will hopefully reduce the odds <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, it'll yeah. also probably punch up the pacing a bit, I think. Cool. Um, so, yeah, like Zoltan was saying, that's exactly where we left off on the Ragnarok ship. We were floating through space and yeah. then before you know, we you get told started, me at the, dude. Go ahead, go ahead. Before we get started, because I don't think I want to put this at the end anymore. If you're having fun, like, favorite, and subscribe, and all that nonsense. Okay. <laughs> and if you yeah, have any, uh, you know, RPG friends, share it with them if you enjoy this. <laughs> yes, that's a wise thing to do. Uh, we don't plug ourselves almost at all. So if you have any people out there who want to listen to uh, some old rpg men talk about old rpgs <laughs> old rpg men that's what we are not men of the sea men of the rpg no 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 men of the rpg absolutely um <clears throat> yeah let everyone know we don't do very much social media presence so yep um that would help us a lot yep thanks everyone uh, for who's you, been watching yeah. though Absolutely, yeah. We have a bunch of people on this end, the news channel, which we have put a little bit on suspension. Yeah, we have. We've been busy. back on this <laughs> channel. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. Let's get into it. All right, so last we left off, you kind of gave me the lowdown on how to get through the Ragnarok ship. You have to fight those uh, boss encounters in sequence. They're yeah, color-coded. The yeah. game does tell you this. I, okay. I hadn't gotten to that part okay. where the game was like, gives you this long sort of lowdown on oh this thing with the sequence of blah 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 and then basically they're like so we gotta kill them in order like the blue the one and the blue end. one and the red one and the red one yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well what's the point of all that exposition they just told me what to do to make it so, more realistic yeah. i guess <laughs> immersive i, I guess. guess in case you didn't understand what the stupid story part of it was they're like just do this <laughs> Like, do they want it uh, so to be that, a puzzle or not, man? That's the question. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I alf I found out later on, if you really are dense and you don't know what you're doing, if you just kill 25 of them in any order, that's also sufficient. What? What do you mean? That's you, a lot, though. That is. <laughs> so, yeah, if you just keep messing up 
for a long time, not forever. After 25 fails, they'll just all die, huh? Yeah, you basically get you claim the ship. Um, that, at that is moment. so weird. How did you find that out? Does it say it in the game? I looked it up on. This was after you had um, told me what to do. I had a guide open because whenever I'm doing anything for longer than eh, X amount of time, I'll go to exactly where I am in a guide and just like move me one step forward, and then I don't look at the guide anymore. I see. And that was one of the steps I looked at just to make sure I was doing what I needed to do so I didn't spend forever and ever. And they said, yeah, you could do this, or if you kill 25 of them. <laughs> what? I was like, oh, okay. Because you got to figure, there's probably some kid out there who wasn't paying attention. Uh-huh. And I guess, you know, whatever. If you uh, kill one of the wrong color by accident, mm-hmm. just the previous previous one comes back not all the other ones like if you kill the two red ones and got them eliminated they don't come back if you make a mistake later right i mean you don't know do you (laughs) no i don't think they do no because by then you've eliminated that pair they stay eliminated okay yeah yeah they're like gone because when you kill them otherwise their body is still on the ground oh that's right okay and then when you kill them kill them like they're double or whatever the body goes away i'm pretty sure yeah um, okay. So yeah, you can't. Yeah, uh, odds are you'll probably do it before twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> One would hope. Uh, so we move into having claimed this pretty cool-looking ship. Uh, we move into this cockpit scene. We get some really cool scenes with uh, Squall and Renoa. And I really thought this. They move into this uh, vocalized um, track. Yes. Which I just came out of left field for me. Oh, did it? <laughs> I, I just wasn't expecting a fully voiced and, you know, good sounding voice track. I think up until this point, all we had was the opening Fethos <clears throat> Vinosek. That's right. <laughs> so that, that song and, that played is the song that Julia played on the piano. Ah, uh, you yes. might, probably didn't remember it because it was a long time I did ago. Not. But yeah, yeah it's it was that song. by now quite a time in real life. Yeah, <laughs> in real life time, too. right? Yeah, like weeks. Um, yeah. What is the name of this song? Is this the Eyes on Me song? This song is called Eyes on Me. It's performed by Faye Wong, who. Right, 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 right. I think, you know, maybe she's Chinese. I don't know where she's from. I mean, her name isn't Japanese, so it's I guess. Chinese she's name, Chinese. isn't it? it sounds yeah. Chinese, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting little tidbit um when i was in college i went to okinawa and i met a bunch of musicians because they have clubs in in colleges at, at in japan and so i joined a huh. a rock band club that kids had that students Ooh. had made and i talked about this with uh, my drummer dude who i made a band with and he was like dude a person with her voice comes along in only once in a, once every hundred years and he wasn't like saying just trying to be dramatic about how beautiful her voice is. There's some, he was referring to some specific aspect, like scientifically measurable thing about her voice. And that wow. literally only comes along one in every hundred years. <laughs> I don't know what he means, but that's amazing. <laughs> Holy baloney. Yeah. That's a pretty intense comment to make. Yeah. And I thought her voice is freaking beautiful. So they got me. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, it's very good, uh, but the, I think the quality of it is what caught me off guard. I'm like, whoa, there's this fully voiced, like, 
song. Yeah. It's a very romantic, gooshy song happening right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're having a nice little moment. And Squall is, I still want to keep calling him Cloud. Squall <laughs> is uh, still being an awkward person. And I just wrote down here in quotes, I'm not your mom. <laughs> well, I don't get Squall it. Says at one, oh, Squall he said says that. that at one point to Renoa because she's being like, <laughs> Oh, why I wanted I don't know if I should do this and he's just like I'm not your mom. I was like, "Oh, very romantic squad." Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> you guys are all alone and like already obviously in love now. Like you're not at the point where you got to be shy right. about if you like each other or not. Yeah. And you can't kiss her still. Like Jesus. <laughs> he's still playing this standoffish weirdo. Um I just thought that line was very funny. And so I just, without any further comment, I wrote down, I'm not your mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who says that to the girl they like, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, probably because I wasn't paying full attention, is where I found out for certain that Renoa is actually a sorceress. Yeah. I remember you freaking predicting that. And I was like, man, am I stupid or is he smart? Because that's right on the money. How the hell did you know right. that, dude? Well, I don't know if I, I guess I kind of guessed that she was, but I, for now I was like, oh, is, are we learning this now? Is that actually true? Is that the yeah. scene where you learn? Yeah, that was there the scene. Is. I don't think there were any hints. Okay. So like, I'm wondering how you just predicted it so well. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not the most mind-bending story, but uh, I kind of figured she's a female lead and she's already been possessed by the... Um, unless I said that way before. B- before then, she then, became you... possessed, you said it, dude. Okay, yeah, all like, right. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember when I said it then. Uh, that's funny. So, yeah, we find out she's a sorceress and that Ultimusia is trying to use her the same way she was trying to use uh, Adea. That's right. Uh, By the way, I looked up some mm-hmm. pronunciations, yo. Oh, go for it. So if you want to go by what the Japanese, the developers had intended, if, if that's what you think is the correct one, it would not mm-hmm. be what you said was Adel before. It could be Adel, you said. it For Japan, it would be... If you go by Japanese, it will be Adele. Also, we got Quistis wrong all this time. They Uh want it's supposed to be Keistis. Ah. And uh, there was another one I wanted to mention to you. But yeah. So there you go. Keistis. (laughs) Interesting. And I guess I'll beat you to the punch. Before you get to it, it's Dr. Odine, not not Dr. Odin. I thought it was Odin when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, 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 Odine. Okay, all right. There you Those go. are all pretty agreeable. I can, I can. Yeah, they're can not, go. right? It's not like not blue, too blue or anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's not blue, blue. Uh, yeah, um, now is around about after some of these scenes uh, resolve. I don't know if you had any comments you wanted to make. You, you get control of this airship. Well, wait a minute. Overworld. I mean, yeah, so. I guess I want to hear, like, what do you think of the the romance thus far with uh, how it's developed and how now we're getting what is kind of a payoff scene? I mean, it's still it's not done yet because they still no. haven't, like, openly kissed or anything yet. But I don't know. Right. That scene on the ship with the Eyes on Me song really gets pretty me. pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty close. You know, she's floating around and he's like, gotta buckle up. It's not safe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and... 
they're the only ones there, and there's this kind of, I, I think, pretty well-written scene where there's this, like, air traffic controller, like, okay, we're going to help you get in here. Yeah. Tell me what the button, the, here's the button. And then between that and dialogue and Squall with Renoa, there's a back and forth there. I think that dialogue works really well. Part of why I think this game is written way better than 7, yeah. even if the plot isn't as good or turns out to not be as compelling. These kinds of moments uh, are examples of in the in like the microcosm much stronger writing mm-hmm. and just a concept of pacing and scene design and building. Um dude, I think I it was very it effective. Uh, dude, I looked it up. He was the FF twelve guy, yo. He was in there. I'm not surprised. There that does not surprise yeah. That, so that's probably one of the main reasons it's so good, right? Probably. I mean, um, do you remember the name? Wasn't it Alexander O'Keefe or something like that? No, Alexander so O. Smith. Localizer? Yeah, he was a, one of the localizers. And I, this so then who be... wrote it in, in Japan? Who, who actually wrote the story? That I didn't look up, look up, okay. but it would not have All been, right. this time it would not have been Hironobu Sakaguchi. Correct. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And 12 wasn't either. Twelve wasn't either. Twelve was Yasumi Matsuno, who was also uh, right. Um, you know, he was a director, but also he was like no, like his thing was war stories, like since he was little or something. Yeah, like political dramas or, yeah. or like bigger, grander scale. Which this is not, not really, not that. Yeah, so this is definitely more of a love story, a personal story. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're saying the localizer up. is the same. As 12, yes. One of the people who worked there. One of the main yeah, people th- involved. Well, there's a definite break in this game between Ted Woolsey. Oh, yeah. And, so you can see that for sure. Yeah, it was um, Ted Woolsey up till 6, and then it was somebody... Uh, so I was wrong, actually. It was, I, I, I assume, actually now a native speaker. But, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I thought I heard that it was... Yeah, I guess it is a native speaker, but it's somebody who worked at Squaresoft for 7. Somebody, some dude with an American name who worked at Squaresoft Japan, though, um, who did seven. And then, yeah, we get freaking Alexander O. Smith, I want to say now, uh, for this one, which is the mm-hmm. best one so far, right? Definitely. A single person localized FF12? It was two people, you know, 12. Alexander cool. O. Smith, which is, I think, the main uh, claim to fame guy. Uh, and another guy. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of work. Yeah, Holy it was like cow. two guys, and I remember hearing a, an interview where they're like, it was so hard because it was just the two of us, but thanks to it only being the two of us, you know, everything was, uh, I don't know, consistent. consistent. Yeah. That was the word I wanted, cohesive and consistent throughout. So, in a way, it was better. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. I, I would have assumed by that point they had more of a team in place, but... You'd think, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so much going on. Well, anyway, as far as FF8 is concerned, I think these are the scenes that kind of prove they're building up these sort of, um, they're moving in a direction away from older scene styles, older gaming writing into something more cinematic and mm. professional, uh, whether that resolves in a satisfying story or not. These are scenes that are genuinely pretty well written. Awesome. Uh, okay. The next note, I know you wanted to make a comment, I think, on the the relationship here, but I just wanted to say the next note I have is 
we gave up uh where did I where did I write it? Um so we let her go, Renoa, only to then immediately ask to get her back. <laughs> yep. We went right back there and saved her ass. Yeah. I was like, well what hang on, Squall. Like why do you so easily just say goodbye and then they're like, We gotta get her back. <laughs> like, she was the, here. Right. Yeah. The friends were like, What are you gonna do, Squall? You can't just let her go and then okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> just go, I guess. Oh damn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. There was a turnaround on that was a little quick. I kinda wanted more I don't know, something in between the point where he was like, Okay and then they're like, What are you doing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see what you're saying, yeah. Eh. Yeah, the little you know, that's an example of weaker writing. Like the pacing on that is I see not the best. But uh if there was anything else you wanted to talk about the relationship, I mean, yeah, it is starting to become less like coy and mm. more direct. But like I mean, we were the, saying Squall the, still doesn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. I mean the last important scene I think for the relationship, you know, besides the ending of course but i mean it's just happily ever after and it's fine um so the last really important scene for their relationship i I guess would be the next thing that you can do uh which is go to that flower field outside of the is it outside of the orphanage or something there's like a flower field that you and her go to and have a scene you being squall sorry squall and renoa right uh, I'm trying to think if I remember this because at this point you get the airship, right? Yeah, so you get the Ragnarok. You start flying around, which is cool. Awesome. I wrote down the airship is cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flower field scene is the one where it, it's like the same as the Fethos Lusek freaking opening where it's like yes. it's scrolling across that freaking CG flower field really quickly and all these random phrases that don't seem to mean anything yet are appearing on the screen. And it's that scene, right? It's like, promise me you'll be here and I'll be waiting for yeah, you. Yeah, stuff yeah, stuff yeah. like that, right? I, I mean, do remember that now. Yeah. yeah. If we get lost in time compression or whatever, just wait for mm-hmm. me here. And if I come here, I'll wait for you. And I well, guess that that's... the happened end. after the Laguna scenes. Oh, did it? Wouldn't it not have? They don't have any concept of like the time compression stuff oh. until after. I thought maybe it wasn't about time compression, but or maybe it was after seeing. I'm pretty sure. Like I was watching a speed run of it, you know, before recording this, just to remember the mm-hmm. order of events. And they went to the flower field before meeting Laguna. Got it. Yeah. So maybe they didn't actually say time compression, but they probably said, "Okay, well, if we ever lose each other, let's meet here." So right, right, right. I mean, yes. I guess that you know, and yeah, you know, basically saving her from the. Uh, that yeah, you know what put away the flower field for a second i don't think that really is that important to the romance now that i think about it i think really the last important scene for the romance is just him saving her and you know Mm -hmm. and also like when he's on the ship he's like okay well even if you become a sorceress i'm gonna protect you i'm gonna be your knight or something yeah he really yeah exactly he kind of lays it out pretty bare at some point um uh so just kind of going in order here my next note and some of these are a little like things I hadn't thought about until now, but the orphanage. Yeah. Why is it so fucking like run down and destroyed? Like it looks like they were raised in like an ancient Greek temple. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. It doesn't look like, like a normal why house does it at all. Look like it's been sitting there for hundreds of years. 
And it's and without all the time travel themes that are swirling around, I felt like it was kind of important to ask the question, maybe even if only on like a fan theory level. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like why were they raised in this like stone Yeah <laughs> falling over Greek pillar so we've Acropolis style building. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they went with that aesthetic now that you mention it. I guess I didn't think about it either. All of the story points are basically laid out now. We, like, I'm not completely following it myself, but it's something like Sorceress Ultimicia knew she was going to be killed by Seed someday. So, or she is going to be killed by Seed someday. So she's, like, going back in time and possessing these other sorceresses uh, to try to prevent that from happening or something. But at the same time, Elone knows that this is happening. And so Elone is trying to like send people back to try to stop her from doing that. It's so freaking yeah. confusing. But it, it, um, the, the reason they were all together is that somebody, I guess, Edea and Elone, I guess, and maybe Sid also knew it, was that all these kids that they had gotten together, like... Somehow, regarding this all this time travel nonsense with Elone, they they know that these kids have to grow up to be able to stop the sorceress, and so that's why I think that's why Sid keeps putting everything on Squall, even though he shouldn't be doing that yet. Because you got to be ready; you're going to be the one to kill the sorceress. Trust me, it's got to be you, just for no reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't put my finger on all the s- small points, but. There's some reason why they're all together, and it's it's that it's they have to be the ones. Doesn't I don't know why they had to have the amnesia and all that, but uh, at least there's a reason they're together. <laughs> mhm, mhm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all I've got for you, dude. I know it wasn't well explained. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, I mean, so, you don't really know what the story truly is either. It sounds like. Even it's sa- uh, yeah, because it's, it's very confusing, like you were saying. Yeah, uh, I guess this kind of moves into the the actual like plot dump scene with Laguna, right? Was that Where the one? Get, yeah. Well, that's kind of the next major beat is that you go back to um, Esther <clears throat> and yeah. you talk with Laguna, who is now the president <laughs> of the freaking most advanced of, civilization on the world. Yeah. Jesus Christ, um, how does he do it every time? I know, right? He kind of fails upward in this comical way, which I guess is the intention. It's kind of meant to be like, well, how does this guy yeah, <laughs> get I... to do this? Mm. Um, and then Dr. whatever we said, Odine, Odin, yeah. whatever, Odin. Um, then kind of gives you this whole rundown on time compression and what it is that you have to do and where and all the particulars on how to deal with it and what not to do. And this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's written intentionally to be a little disorienting and confusing. Like, I don't think mm. they're like, Oh, people will understand this because the characters right away are like, what? This doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think to some extent it's intended to be a little like convoluted and a lot. Um, but that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, it is genuinely on its face, uh, hard to absorb and understand kind of what's going on. 
And later on, when things do start to happen that they're talking about now, it kind of feels like it's not happening for a very good reason or, mm. you know, people seem to be just totally on board with just totally off the wall <laughs> plot. Concept, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, time compression. You know. Like, what? What is this? <laughs> what? Uh, and I, I kind of wrote here that they're talking about time travel uh, going in the other direction, it actually doesn't go. So in the real world, you can travel forward in time. There's, yeah. you know, you can read science on how moving very quickly moves you ahead in time faster than other people and stuff like that. Wait, but wait, you can't wait, go wait, back. wait. What? How do you do that in real life? If you move ninety nine percent the speed of light, for oh, example. Okay. Just as an example to make it very clear. Okay. Yeah. And let's say you have a rocket with that that's going 99% yeah. the speed of light. Okay. Uh, you put a watch on that rocket that's telling time. Okay. The rocket goes around the planet at that speed for a year. It's going to come back down having only a month's worth of time elapsed on the watch. Everyone else will have spent a year on Earth. Uh, it's okay. just the way physics works i can't explain it any more detailed right. than that so okay. the gist is if you are on that ship you can move forward in time a year when for you it will only be a month for example but are you can't people... go back hmm. okay <laughs> everyone else will have aged a year and you will have only aged one month for example Oh, okay, that's, and that's amazing. That's the only way time travel actually works, if you even can call it that. Right. Um, you can't go back. And I just thought it was funny that in this game, the only way it works is you can go back. <laughs> you really yeah. kind of can't go forward. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of plot development that's sort of getting dumped on you and something else i kind of didn't quite grasp until now was kind of the relative ages of the protagonist characters squall and his team and laguna and eleni i didn't quite understand that laguna and eleni are quite a bit older than squall <laughs> they so have you figured out who laguna is to squall because i played the game multiple times and never figured it out um uh, Possibly not, unless I'm forgetting something. Sounds like you are forgetting something. Must have. It's his father, dude. Oh, shit. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, everybody wow. knew it except me, and I played the game multiple times, and I'm like, what? what is the hint or the scene that says he's the father? But um, So is his mother a Dea? Um, no, 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 no. Cause, right, because, no, no, not a Dea, right? Um, let me think here. Rinoa's parents are General Caraway, and her mother is freaking Julia. Okay. Um, Julia did not get with Laguna uh, in the end, as we right. know. Laguna. Oh, so that was it. Rain or no? Laguna uh -oh. and was it freaking Rain? I don't know who his mother is anymore. No, it can't be Rain. That's right, because freaking Squall is always waiting for his sister, <laughs> and also he was an orphan. 
So let's get the corkboard out. Come on, let's draw these dots together. <laughs> well, anyway, his father is <laughs> the father is Laguna, apparently, according to everyone. But okay. I don't know what is scene that for is a hint. Sure. That's for yeah. sure. Is yeah. That- Okay, okay. All That's right. For sure, according to everybody, but I don't know what well, the hint in the game is. I missed that one too. And yeah. maybe again, there's some extra dialogue somewhere I didn't read or that I forgot or missed or wasn't paying attention. I don't know. That makes a good deal of sense. They do look a lot alike. They would be about right. the right age in difference. And, and they it have the feels completely like a thing opposite freaky do. personalities. I exactly. love that. It feels like the thing they would do to contrast the two characters. Um, so the that question, makes sense to me. Okay, so now the question is, how come he left Squall to be an orphan? Was it because he knew something about his fate to kill sorceresses or something? I don't, I don't know. Uh, that, <clears throat> that I don't know. That's yeah. the part I can't fill in, having just now learned that he is right. probably his father. I, I don't <laughs> I mean, I bet- we didn't get any impression that he had a child or even had a romantic relationship with anyone mm-hmm. during the uh, flashback scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know where that fits in. Hmm. Me neither. i just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. So, there's I mean, another piece of information I, that may not be relevant. Time. I don't know, right? I mean... <laughs> I know there are a ton of fan theories that are not directly explained in the game that float around the skin right no so, but everybody is in agreement that laguna is squall's father like it's okay. con- it's considered canon by everyone so there must be some dialogue in the game somewhere that we just didn't find yeah, there probably is that we just weren't paying attention to or some shit mm-hmm. um very possible uh so we, we're meeting so, laguna now sorry we're meeting Laguna, and like I was saying, this is a part about the time where I was kind of getting, I was like coming to terms with, oh, I guess Eleni and Laguna are a good deal older than I realized they were. I thought they were all relatively the same age as um, Squall, Squall and his his group. Yeah. Like they're all kind of younger people, but Laguna's a full-ass adult, and Eleni must be a good deal older than I realized. Um because there are scenes of her in flashbacks where she looks like the same. I'm like, oh, and Squall mm. was like a child <laughs> or something. Who, um, wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Who was in... That was a flashback, right? Who was Laguna with in Windhill, that little kid? Wasn't wasn't that Elone? That's what also confused me, is he was talking about her at that age. So Laguna's uh, older, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But Elone like, might be roughly the same as uh, Squall, for all we know. I guess, yeah, you're right. Probably. If yeah, that, that was Elone and Windhill flashback, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They never quite make that clear. So I think that's something that would have been clearer in like a newer game because the characters would look older, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> just like that kind of thing. Uh, oh, uh, some other note here <laughs> is that the Lunatic Pandora place is giving me really strong Song of Nephilim vibes. <laughs> oh, is it? What aspect is it? So Song of Nephilim, for people who don't know, is a dungeon in Xenosaga Episode 1. Yeah. It's um, like the same thing. 
What do you mean? Lore-wise, what do you mean? Functionally in the plot and also design-wise, uh-huh. it feels like, I guess, when they were making Xenosaga, they thought about this. <laughs> because here is this giant, towering, floating... Cube thing. Uh, science dungeon. Yeah. That some crazy scientist made that calls down some horror from space, basically. I see. And that's exactly what the Song of Nephilim is. And it almost <laughs> looks the same, except it's many, many times larger. Yeah. I just kind of thought that was funny. I was like, huh, I bet someone remembered this and had the same idea. <laughs> Somebody that's was playing Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this better. Um, okay. Let's <laughs> see here. What else do I have? And all right, so during uh, Laguna, so you can ask Laguna, "Hey, how the hell did you become president?" <laughs> oh, and there's a couple uh, flashbacks that he then goes through, and one of them includes Adele, the sorceress, who I just wrote here. I'm like, Adele is a sorceress <laughs> because she looks, looks like, like a, a man. giant dude. Yeah, yeah. Is there um, something going on there that I like? I thought maybe. I was reading something wrong or whatever. I wasn't looking at the character. Mo- He's clearly a man. <laughs> um, I don't uh, know. I, mean, I think so. I think you get some pretty close-up shots of this very muscly dude with no shirt on. And I don't know if maybe in the translation they decided just to make it all the same sorceress. No, I, I, I think... I think it actually is part of the lore that only women become sorceresses. But, right. So why does this guy look like, why does Adele look like a man? I do like a not giant know. giant 12 foot tall muscle man. Yeah. I don't know what the reasoning behind that was. It maybe just because all evil magic turned her into that or something or whatever. I just felt like as a fully uncommented element of a game from the late 90s that felt a little strange <laughs> maybe she's uh, just buff like those are maybe, actually female breasts but they're not large and she's buff she has small breasts and she's buff so that's why she doesn't wear a shirt but uh so dude i think somebody like uh mentioned this yeah here it is the freaking designs on her body are not actually designs but actually clothing is what somebody said because Boy. Right, because <laughs> she's got like, she, if she's a she, she's got these uh, you know, little black stripes looking, stripe looking things. Kind of, it looks like it's all tattooed on her body, but I think that's clothes, yeah. yo. But man, yeah, in game, so. it totally does not look like clothes. Yeah. No, I mean you don't get a ton of like good images of this character and I'm looking now at a render yeah, and not a lot of female quality going on here. Not a lot, yeah. But I think it's just a design choice. Just, you know, we've made all the normal feminine ones. Let's make a buff one now, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. I think the whole I think Adele is a pretty uh, you know poorly developed character generally speaking. I mean, the character... Just she was a large, powerful, right? Right. A large plot element for a, a large part of the game when she wasn't in the game. And then she's there and gone. You know, you, she kind of shows up, you defeat her, 
And now it's about Ultimusia, this other sorceress. Happens in every FF yet. game. <laughs> I guess so. But it felt, you know, a little strange that this was kind of being built up to be like the main bad guy person for a minute and then it wasn't. But yeah. I don't know, kinda kinda interesting, kinda part of what makes this game's plot a little hard to digest and, and follow. Mm, yeah. I mean ways. we've been going from sorceress to sorceress throughout the whole game, right? <laughs> True. Yeah, and you never really had much time to sit with any one of them. Um which makes it really interesting having only heard tangentially about this game from the outside looking in. I thought Idea was the sorceress the entire saying. time. Yeah, you, know I, you I mean? would think that unless you play the game. character you yeah. see. Right. That's like the sort of spoiler-free antagonist that you get to look at when you see trailers mm. or promo art or whatever of yeah. the game. Yeah, definitely. So I thought that was like Ultimicia or something. Yeah. And, you know, freaking uh, Adele, neither Adele nor Ultimicia have freaking scenes in, like, for example, the opening crazy ass cinema with Liberi Fitali music going on, right? right exactly. But Adea's in it, yo. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Precisely. Um,. So that was another note there that I was writing about. Uh, just that was during the President Laguna flashback. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I wrote that the time compression plot is uh, a lot, is what I wrote. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, and, still, I'm still not completely sure. Whatever. I don't need to com- think about that anymore. Go ahead. Continue on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me just read through some of my notes here. Do, do, do. So, uh, okay, so now that you have the airship... um, Yeah, I'm hoping you did some exploration, maybe? I did a little bit. I did a little bit. Um, And to me, it dawned on me, like, man, this is right smack dab in the middle of 3D overworld exploration in role-playing games, which Uh is now, again, gone, largely because role-playing games just don't really exist the same way anymore. But in all of my favorite... I shouldn't say all, but many. Um, Some. Most of <laughs> my favorite role playing games, a robust overworld exploration mechanic is part of it. And I, when I started flying around in this game, I was like, man, I want another game that does this. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm trying to think why why that went away. Is it just because it's not realistic? That... Yeah, it's kind of abstract in a weird way, and I think games try to be more grounded and real in ways that are that kind of sacrifice that. It's like a gameplay mechanic that relies on that abstraction. Either that, or you have a <clears throat> massive world that takes forever to get through or move through, right. or you're fast traveling, which totally eliminates the sort of adventure, moving, progress, physical movement yeah. element of it. And I think you're right. I think they're they're trying to just kind of make it more real. It's too abstract or weird. Mm-hmm. I but I like it. Yeah, Star Ocean also did it. Star Ocean 2, 1 and 2. Well, I don't know about 1. Star Ocean 2 had a overworld. Yeah, 1 also has one. Uh, and then they got rid of it in Star Ocean 3. And uh, I just always think, like, why did they do it? But then, I don't know, maybe that's a different, because it's a different kind of game. You go to multiple worlds, for example. Sure. Um, well, so you know what's that? a game where this is very heavily featured? 
It's on our list. It's on our list, and it's a world map is heavily featured? Yeah, exploration like this is. Hmm. Skies of Arcadia. Oh, that's right. That's right, yeah. It's a huge part of that game. Oh, good. And that sounds like fun. One of my favorite parts of that game, for sure, is the overworld uh, itself. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was really happy to kind of see that there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and at this point also is when I kind of real remembered that tip you gave me about the character switching during combat. Oh yeah, but you can kind of like proc their uh, limit break or just right. like go the character you want instead of a different one. Yeah, I wish I knew that a hell of a lot earlier. <laughs> oh really? But you said you didn't ever no really want to use the limit breaks. You'd rather heal. You said true which is what i did do but oh. <laughs> i mean, i did I, when a limit break is up if you have a character who's low health it's not hard to just spam the whatever button it was mm. and just get back to them yeah. uh i'm sure that's triangle what all the speed, speed runners do triangle yeah yeah so the whole the whole speed run um the speed run uh strategy the entire strategy is basically limit break everything till it dies <laughs> yeah i believe it Mm. I believe that because from what I understand, the limit breaks are pretty OP and, and being able to just get them all the time. Right. So yeah, you can get them anytime. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. That doesn't even have to be that OP as long as they're stronger. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's at this point where you could do a little side questing, I suppose, uh, having not done the, the earlier prerequisites for some of them, uh, I guess I didn't really know exactly where to go or whatever. So I did a little bit of flying around, um, and then basically you have to go over to the lunatic, lunatic Pandora. Dungeon. Okay. Okay. Before you next step. Right. Okay. So before you go there, I want to ask you about some things that I feel like you should have found either with the garden or with the Ragnarok. Um, for example, you never found the Shumi village. Shumi village, no. Shumi is the name of the people that uh, Norg was, those yellow monster dudes. Oh, I remember that now. The guy, yeah, they were saying, oh, they like to evolve and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can go to the freaking village where all those people live, yo. Oh, and, shit. Where and, was that? Do you remember? Like, on the map? <laughs> I don't remember, no. But, I mean, yeah, okay, you, okay. you'd have to wander around. Uh, I don't know. I guess. That's but it was available since... Um, since uh, Mobile Garden, so you could have gone there. Yeah, right. It's just yeah, a, it's a pretty large village with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, freaking Shumi lore. Like they're, yeah, they're all gonna evolve. I think some of them evolve into those Moomba guys. Um, oh, I think they okay. Should. So like the weird little lion things. Yeah, it's like it's something like it depends on what's in their heart. And in the case of Norg, he had a monstrous heart, so he turned into a monster or something like that. So anyway. Yeah, all those uh, uh, Shimmy guys are there. And it's basically like in all, it's a series of story-only side quests. It's just a whole bunch uh -huh. of talking and going around here and, uh, you know, getting a bunch okay. of lore. And you'll get a bunch of items and stuff out of it, too. And I believe there's even an Ultima draw point there that you can get. Gotcha. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you just want to hang out and talk to people for a long time. There's like no battling or anything, right. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go into any of those uh, dome-shaped chocobo forests? I did not. There was a good deal on the over map I didn't do, so you're probably going to find or know of a bunch of shit I missed. Okay. 
So the only big thing I think that you found that was optional was uh, the place where you can get Odin, but then you said you stepped out of there because the time limit was scaring you, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't go back to that. But now that I remember, uh, yeah, I went in there. There's all those glowing staircases. There was like, yeah. a time limit, and there's like, you have to do whatever. And then it was like super early in the game. I think I got there our... as soon as you could. Must maybe. have been as soon as I could with the mobile garden, right? Yeah, I think that's the first time or, we go there. Yeah. Can't you even get there before then? I feel like I even got there before that point. Might be possible. I don't remember. But yeah, I don't remember. I, I thought it was yeah. mobile garden. Yeah, and then Odin yells at you for running away. Oh, if you go out, he gets he says something. Yeah, he's like, "What are you doing? This is your destiny." I'm like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> not ready for my destiny." Okay, yeah. so you didn't really. Uh, did you find like a a a weird laboratory in like either the very middle or the very corner? I think the corner, the corner of the world map. Because you know, if you go into like say the bottom left corner of the world map, if you're going, you'll go up to the top right corner. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about as far yeah. as the map goes. Right, right. So that means that basically all four corners are like all right there at that one spot, really, right? So if you yeah, go the, to that yeah. corner, any of the corners, that means uh, there's a little secret factory or something there. You can get yeah. some crazy stuff. Ooh. <laughs> okay. You anything good? It. Did I miss anything? Yeah, dude. I think that's where you fight uh, the... The same one from freaking Final Fantasy VII, Ultima Weapon. You fight him again. Oh, and, shit. And I think if you draw from him, he has the strongest GF in the game, which is named Eden. And uh-huh. it's uh, attack animation, if you're going to summon it, is way lo- like three to four times longer than whatever the previous longest one is. <laughs> but, and so that means you're going to get like the, if you do that mashing the triangle button or square button to get the boost thing, you can max that out pretty easily. And it's the only attack in the game that will go more than 9,999. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, you can break the damage limit with that one attack anyway. But you're going to be sitting there for a while waiting for it to finish. You pay it, for it. Yeah, you might as well just do limit breaks. It'll be faster. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's That's what I hate about long attack. Even if it's like the difference between... Physically attacking, which has usually a pretty short animation, or casting a spell. Uh. Sometimes I'll just physically attack several times because it's quicker than selecting a spell, casting it, doing the damage, moving forward, also spending the MP. Mm-hmm. Like my time budget is also something I take into effect a lot in role playing games. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would I waste my time? Like, why would I do this? Yeah. Make this battles take so much longer. <laughs> I see you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, I guess, I mean, there are probably a couple other things out there, but the other really famous thing is there's an island way up in the north and an island way down in the south, and their names are the island closest to heaven and the island closest to hell. And I think if you oh. land on them and then hit the menu and look wherever it shows the name, it'll say that exact name. And... I think you need to have the move find ability that you get from maybe Siren or something equipped. And if you if you just go in there with in-count none, the thing is, if you go in there without in-count count none, every battle is level 100, max level. Oof. Yeah. Uh, and the encounter rate is absolutely insane. But the thing to do there, yo, you put on encounter none, all along the outside edge, 
uh, is just invisible draw points of all the strongest spells in the game in both oh. islands. So you go, you go in there with Encounter Net, and you just like draw all the strongest spells in the game. Then you go back up, you go up to the other island, do it again over there, and by the time you finish doing that, the first island will probably have been rejuvenated, all the spells, oh, and you can do it again. <laughs> How long does it take to for a draw point to refresh? I'm not sure, but... Uh, a few minutes, I guess. Yeah, a few minutes at least, yeah, for sure, yeah. So, yeah, that's <laughs> another thing that, <laughs> that a lot of people know about. Wow, that's very abusable. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Huh. If you can find it and you learned about it, right? I mean, it's just yeah, a you random gotta island. Go, yeah, you got to go there, know to land there, turn off the encounters, and yeah. then... Put on move find ability. Have the move find yeah. on, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's definitely an older role-playing game where these are like fucking uh, tip and hint guide fucking... Yeah. <laughs> that's to, to, how they made their money. That's how they made their money, yeah. I mean... No better example than the freaking Zodiac Spear from FF12, right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, true. The original one. Yeah. If you open that, one of these random chests, you lose the best ability, the best weapon in the game. <laughs> that has to be some sort of collusion with, like, guide writers. Like, there's, it has to be, possible. right? It's right. impossible that you would ever figure that out on your own. They never tell you. Yeah, there's no way to know, right? Yeah, and... Uh, it seems almost impossible that somebody would think that's a good game mechanic, right? Here's here's the other thing. Figure this. It's impossible for you to know how to do it on your own. And yet, a guide knew about it before the game came out. Why? They were fucking told. They were told, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no other way they could have figured it out unless they reverse engineered the game's code. And I'm pretty sure they weren't doing that. I don't know if they do that when they make guides. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they were. I really don't think like the Prima and Brady Games guide companies were doing that. I think they were <laughs> getting handed information that would be useful for their guide, mm. and you know whatever kickback they gave or didn't give, I don't care. But the only that's the only thing that makes sense is that they were right. told here's this like ultra weapon. And here's this myriad convoluted steps to take to, get to unlock it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all the stuff you could have got, dude. Some of it, anyway. Gotcha. Yeah, I figured there was a lot that I was kind of zooming past. Um, but again, I, you know, I felt pretty strong at this point in the game. I had like a lot of the. I was so uh, to remind everyone. Since I am playing this on the remastered Steam version, you can speed up time. You can also make yourself invulnerable, which I wasn't doing, except Drawing. when I wanted to draw new magic. <clears throat> Just to save myself the time of drawing, I would turn both of those buffs on, draw yeah. everything, then turn them off, and then play the battle. And I've lost battles that way, because when you come out of that buff your enemy starts to attack immediately so it wasn't like i was giving myself a total free ride mm -hmm. but at the same time i was probably speeding my game up quite a bit Definitely. Uh, <laughs> and i was you know it's all about magic so uh junctioning really really strong 99 full lives to your character's hp is a oh, pretty strong thing to do <laughs> yeah you know 
So you kept the draw grind strategy the whole way through the game, huh? I figured why not? You know, it's easy when you do it the way I'm doing it, it's pretty effortless. And yeah. I figured I'd probably be compelled to do it this way regardless. So why not just make it easier on myself and just save time? It's like kind of effortless to do. Right. And uh, that takes time. <laughs> and that's exactly the way that everybody who played the game when there wasn't, you know, uh, what is it like power mode and uh, also triple speed like everybody thought i guess that's what i'm supposed to do and they did that and then they hated the game <laughs> right yeah so i probably would have been it. one of those people <laughs> exactly yeah it's, it's more i've learned in hindsight it's more about the card game which i pretty much ignore and it's about um you know converting things into magic and using the gf so a lot more than i did and just kind of breaking the game into a million little pieces, <laughs> taking advantage of all these other little systems that the game gives you a lot of control. It just doesn't yeah. do the best job of surfacing that control uh, in a way that makes sense or is like easily understandable to be like, oh, this is how you get OP. Oh, this is what this actually lets you do. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. And that the, when games uh, do this, they tend to be, I think, among my favorites is the games where there are a whole different, a bunch of different systems you can exploit. And if you exploit right. one of them, you'll be about the right power level. And if you exploit all of them, you'll completely destroy the game. And that's kind of an inherent flaw with uh, games that are designed to play it any way you want. Like, that's a positive True. thing you can say is that you can p play with any strategy you want and, you know, you won't trap yourself into a, a corner or anything. You'll be able to beat the game no problem. Uh, yeah. But if you use multiple of those systems to, to as you go along, then you'll be overpowered. And Star Ocean is that way. Um, Almost any role-playing game that lets you grind is that way. Even if the grinding is sort of limited, most games that let you do this let you be overpowered. Just It's a matter of a function of how yeah, but much time you want to put into it. Exactly. In the case of Dragon Warrior, uh, you know, it's just all you have is the grind. That's all you have available to you. You don't have crafting right. or anything like that or GFs or anything. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, how long do I want to do this? Uh, now, I guess Dragon Warrior is actually a specific uh, special case where you <laughs> it's not how long you want to do it. It's like, dude, just you have to grind until level 13 before you're going to do anything story related. <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind just of like, a. <laughs> they they set it up like just as is. There are very few strategies. Like you get the sleep spell, you can use the sleep spell on some guys, and that's about it. But yeah. uh, so maybe a better a better example is uh, Eternal Sonata, which you haven't played. But that's another game where there's only two things in the whole game. There's the grind. Of course, there's equipment, but that's part of the grind. There's the grind, and there's a. Uh, um, a music side quest that you can do. That's like the only things you can do. <laughs> and the music side quest will not make you really powerful against all the upcoming battles or anything. So it's it's it kind of goes back to old school in that way. And that it turns out that game is one of the best balanced games you can play. Uh, you can't break it, and you you can't uh, yeah you can't break it. And so yeah, and it it depends on how much you're gonna you're willing to grind. Like if you grind forever, then you'll break it. But then you grind it forever. So did you really? Right, just exactly. Break it? Did you really? Right. Yeah. 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 That's like one of the core tenets of, like you were saying in Dragon Warrior, you can play the game. It's kind of like a 
built-in difficulty slider, like how hard do you want to make the game? Well, grind and it'll be easier, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Okay. Uh, so I guess at this point we have moved to the next major story where we are invading the lunatic Pandora science thing lab yeah. base. <laughs> Floating cube. <laughs> Floating cube. Uh, and there's a really cool docking scene. That's what I wrote here. Oh. Really cool docking scene. <laughs> you crash into it or something, right? You crash? Well, yeah, you do. And the giant dragon-shaped ship has these claw arms that yeah. come out of it yeah. that are somehow selfie is controlling this. She knows how to do this. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're docking or grabbing on to this ship with this ridiculous fucking Megazord ass ship, <laughs> yeah. Ship that you have. And they did I just thought that was really cool. They did one of my favorite tropes. It's a uh, monster shaped machine, but it roars like a monster. Yes, it's it very good. <laughs> yeah, they do that. Yeah, it's got <laughs> a big monster head on it and it has arms that I thought were just like part of the machinery but they're really just regular arms that move <laughs> like arms do yeah <laughs> what is going on yeah uh it's pretty funny yeah just um, the visual. <laughs> so now you're you're on the ship and uh fujin and raijin basically meet up with you again they're yeah, kind of like the repeating antagonists mm. and it's at this point where i finally ask the question what the fuck is wrong with fujin <laughs> what is wrong with this woman how come she always like says one word all caps phrases is what you mean it's never explained it is never explained and i don't know why it is never but explained until you... slightly later on well after you defeat them or something really. she finally speaks with in a normal way right one time yeah she so has a speech. You, there's a series of fights that are occurring in some minor dungeoning that goes on where you fight both of them and then you fight uh cypher and then i think um or fight, maybe it's right before the cypher boss fight you fight the robot before cypher i think yeah there's a couple boss fights and things you run through this dungeon and then you get up to cypher and then fujin just starts talking like a human being yeah <laughs> And I'm just like, what kind of weird reveal is this? And why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Is this a joke? Is this something that plays better in the Japanese version of the game? Is this a reference to something? I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> I should I should look at yeah, like what her what uh, her words are in the Japanese version. I mean, like I remember one time she just says rage, and so I'm just thinking about that in Japanese, yeah. like. She would say, if it's just that word on on its own, there'd be ikari. I mean, whatever. It it sounds to me equally unnatural in either language. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe there's some sort of callback that this is to something else, or I don't fucking know. But his character and Raijin, I guess, are played up for comic relief to an extent. Like Raijin has that weird thing where he ends every sentence with you know you know right yeah from what i understand is a common solution localizers have when there are japanese characters in their source material that have like a verbal tick yes where they'll tick, end yeah. 
little end the of sentence with, with a certain a random word thing. or yeah. yeah, random thing, and it really doesn't translate well into English. So they usually just have them have like a verbal habit I of mean, saying or ending or starting a sentence with the same words over and over, but that never mm. quite works, in my opinion. I guess it doesn't work story-wise. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I don't know, because in Japanese. Um, it works roughly the same way in Japanese. I want to say like there's a mm-hmm. there's a girl in Star Ocean Four who always says "nano yo" at the end of every sentence in Japanese, and in English, uh-huh. uh, she's infamous just because of this. Just because of this aspect of her made her infamous. She always says "mk" at the end of every sentence. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Right, and so they're not. I don't think those two phrases are quite similar. But I mean, no. I don't know. Um, but it's a thing it, that happens in Japanese writing a lot for whatever it reason. Yeah, and I, it's it just got to be shows up. It's got to be just for no other reason than to uh, make the characters more unique from each other. I guess. Like, what else could the oh. other reason could there be? Right. Don't know. I don't know what it's like. What sort of literary uh, mechanic this is sort of leveraging, but it, it shows up everywhere. Like the the Moogles all end every sentence in Kupo. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, and it shows up all over the place, especially when you're referring to like weird eccentric characters or aliens or other somewhat unusual talkers <laughs> yeah you always get this thing that crops up um yeah. the uh, you may not know this but chrono cross is the speech tick freaking <laughs> way of talking <laughs> game it's the one yo it's got like oh, 40 something characters and all of them have something different and the freaking localizer dude he was like dude i don't want to freaking write all these uh because <laughs> It's not because there are a lot of scenes. If there are a lot of scenes, you just do all the scenes. But the thing is, in any one scene, whoever you brought, one of 40, two of 40 different characters that you brought with you are all going to comment, depending on who you brought. And they're all going to say something in... They're, say, they're all going to say the same thing, but in their you know, <laughs> speech impediment way. So yeah. what the dude did is he just wrote a freaking program to just change letters and words into these <laughs> other letters and words for every character. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah, and it works. <laughs> I mean, it still sounds weird because of what they say, but programming-wise, yeah. it worked. So good job. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Now, after Fujin decides to be a human being and Speak like an adult. So um, when she gives that speech, that's wasn't that her finally, her and Raijin finally saying, you know, a cipher, we can't back you anymore. We can't. Yeah. Finally, they said we're, it right. Yeah. We were we were friends, and we were gonna follow you for whatever reason all the way this way, and we we're like, sorry. Mm. Yeah, they were friends. Like they were school friends, and there was this. Obviously, the narrative is that. These are school rival groups, friend groups, and you have Squall's group, and you have Cypher's, Cypher's group, group. and yeah. this is where that starts to break down, and clearly now, in terms of the story, is where Cypher turns a corner, and he's no longer your school rival, he's part of like the global antagonist, and he's yeah. part of 
you know, he, he becomes truly irredeemable or evil or whatever. Yeah. He captures Renoa, right? Right. And he throws her like up into the Adele, the Adele orb, thing, yeah. orb thing to get her whatever. And so Junks you, you end up in that Adele fight. Yeah. Which is weird because now Renoa is like, suction cupped onto Adele. <laughs> yeah, freaking Adele junctions Renoa. How do Yeah, you... that all right, so that is another cool thing. They they do that thing in a game where junction is a gameplay mechanic and then they turn it into like a physical in story action. Yeah. You know, I think that's always cool when a I game gets away with that in a way where it's like, I'm going to junction this person. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and he's just like, wait, wait, you can junction freaking people even? That's yeah, crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So that was disturbing and crazy. And I think, especially when it comes to boss fights for years after final fantasy eight, the design of them still feels like they would fit perfectly at home in like a static 16 bits, right? The they characters, like the the boss characters, the bosses, the way they're mm. the way they're designed. Like they're obviously three D animated renders, yeah. But the the way they were designed and drawn originally and mm-hmm. concepted out, they almost look like they would be better suited still to uh, like sixteen bit stationary images. Like huh. their concept art probably looks really really cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? probably yeah better than the model and like designed to be viewed from a specific angle, that kind of thing. I see and this saying, yeah. actually was true all the way up probably beyond it, but right? I noticed it. No, I noticed this in final fantasy 13 you where you had was... boss fights hmm. where the character, the boss character model was clearly rendered off of a concept drawing from one hmm. angle. And it kind of looks weird when you look at it from another angle. Cause it's huh. like, super stylized and big and weird looking. But if this were a 2d game where you only had that one angle, it would look great. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I I just thought that was always something inherent to the final fantasy games where they get these giant, like set piece looking boss fights that look really like they were designed to be looked at from one angle. All right. It's weird. Do you have that same feeling about Dragon Quest? Because you know how the dragons always have their head tilted to one side and are looking at you with just That's one eye. That's a good eye. point. <laughs> but that, uh, what's his name, Toriyama? Yeah. Um, design yeah. looks good in like 3D. I think that mm. that art style translates better to a 3D render, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. It's very nice and round. <laughs> yeah, it's not as detailed as anything from Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's way more cartoony and yeah. big, big like oval eyes. It's very yeah, uh, Mickey Mouse almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we get that fight, the Adele fight, which is kind of crazy and disturbing, of her breaking out of that confinement cell and junctioning Renoa, which is fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, let me see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Then it kind of, after that fight, you kind of launch right into the weird time compression shit. Is that, that already time, is that already time compression right there? I always thought, 
I thought time yeah, compression so, was the like, ending that we watched. I thought that was time compression. There, you start getting pulled into, I think, the Ultimisia um, dimension. Yeah, dimension or castle or whatever, which doesn't exist in your time. Right. Line, whatever. Oh, so through time compression, you get there. Okay. Yeah, I believe is the explanation. So, like, all this weird shit starts happening yeah. with these, like, birds flying around. And yeah. then you're in the ocean. Like a, <laughs> you're in the ocean. It's a pretty intense and impressive Suzu cutscene, but this game is full of them, so I should be expecting them now. Yeah. Uh, they do a really good job of that in this game. Um, and then <clears throat> kind of go right into some more boss fights with the the sorceress. Um, yeah, so what do you fight again? A whole bunch of random sorceresses? Is this yeah, it's a bunch of like random sorceress clones and stuff. Do you think that is supposed to represent like all the sorceresses who have existed throughout the ages or something? I just thought of that Maybe. now. Maybe. Uh. Good, good question. I mean, you're compressing I... time and seeing it all. You're seeing all of time all at the same time because it's smaller, so to speak, because it's compressed. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, something that is, and maybe you would know, um, the, uh, the Latin song, the Fethos Lusek song, yeah. is an anagram for something. Are you aware of this? Yes, I'm aware of it. So, it's not actually Latin, yeah. that means. <laughs> it's, it's just. Oh, no, I, I do believe it is Latin. Those are real words, you mean? Those are real Latin words, yeah. And happen and to be an anagram? No way. So the yeah, there, there are so the Futhos Lusek thing is like not quite accurate Latin, but the rest of it, there are other words in the song in the middle. There are that's some Latin. other ones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those that's actually Latin. Um, and it's supposed to be an anagram for a succession of witches. Was that it? Succession of witches? Succession of yeah. witches? Okay. And that's something I actually knew about a long time ago because this song is very, very famous. It it's is. Like super famous. It's like world famous. <laughs> um, wait, wait, I wait, heard wait, about wait, wait, wait. Succession of witches. Dude, where's the L? Oh, and the word love is in it as well. But the two... Okay. And love. Yeah, okay, yeah. F- Liberi Fitali is the first track. This is from finalfantasy.fandom.com. Liberi yes. Fit- Fatali is the first track of the first disc of the Final Fantasy VIII original soundtrack. The phrase, Fithos Lusek Wikos Vinosek, is an anagram of the phrases, Succession of Witches and Love, two of the main themes in the game. And according to this, not an actual phrase in Latin, according to right. this. Right, that part is not Latin, but the rest of it underneath you can see in the lyrics there. That's there is real Latin lyrics in there as well. Yeah, that's translated on the right side to English. Oh, you're right. Um, okay, yeah, you're right. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It uh, it's all sung pretty inaudibly over the music, so it's kind of hard to hear it, even if you could speak Latin, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, that I think kind of they had that idea in mind where there was, and I kind of get it. Like in the abstract, I kind of like the idea of we're being attacked from the future. It's kind of creepy, right? Like that something is, yeah. that hasn't happened yet is reaching back to today 
yeah. and trying to, and like something that hasn't even occurred yet is trying to like fuck us up now. And there's like we can't even get to it to stop it. It's like kind of disturbing and like menacing in this yeah. really cool way. But I feel like they didn't nail the. The, the explanation of it, for example. Like the explanation, they, for example, yes. Yeah. Ultimacia <laughs> doesn't have much uh, development at all, but no. even if you don't want to develop her, your, her, the character herself, they need to develop her plan more for the audience. Yeah, um, and something else I, I wrote here during the boss fights is that there's a lot of weird graphical contortion and stuff that's happening because yeah. you're like phasing in and out of different areas, right? And something that the PS1 uh, physical hardware uh, did was, if I'm getting the the um, the right gra- uh, technological terminology, terminology right, is there as no anti-aliasing, which means that um, they you get very mm. you get very um, unstable vertices on polygons so if you're staring at something and you're not moving and you look at it and like turn your camera slightly at an angle yeah the vertices are going to wibble and wobble around a bunch yes which is the exact opposite of what would happen on like an n64 for example where on like mario 64 all of those vertices were rock solid Nothing moved around when you turned the camera. Hmm. The trade-off was you had really low render distance. So there was all that fog or really, really small game worlds that hmm. you couldn't use a lot of like detail on, low texture quality. The PS1 had higher texture quality and usually more detail on the small scale hmm. and could have bigger environments. But all of that was like jumbling and wiggling around constantly. <laughs> yeah. And that actually works to the game's benefit in this scene where the camera is panning around and the world is like disintegrating around you on yeah. purpose. And it really works. Like I'm like, holy cow, they actually made this like hardware limitation work for the presentation. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I didn't know that. Uh, so there was no anti-aliasing for that scene or in all PlayStation games? For all PS1, it wasn't capable of it. Again, uh. if I'm getting the technological term exactly correct, I'm not sure. But it's something that the PS1 and the N64 as like kind of rival hardware, early 3D console hardware, mm. those were the major distinguishing factors that the N64 was really good at this and the PS1 was really good at that and neither of them could quite do what the other one could do. I see. Hmm. And um, the PS1, I think the N64 games tend to look better when they're designed with that in mind. But the PS1, I've grown to enjoy games like Vagrant Story. I love the look of that game. It also kind of looks like a mess. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it kind of does, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. And and so does this game. But there's a detail in it where if you kind of look through the wobbly textures, you can see it. And it's like, this actually looks really good. And... There's mm-hmm. an artistry to designing within your limits, and I think this is a really good example of that. Uh, something you really can't do anymore because the hardware these days is too good. Yeah, it's like all the same. It's all the mm-hmm. same. You know, there's, you don't have these hardware quirks to work with anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you have limitations, uh, it brings out all kinds of additional creativity. It does. Um, so now after that boss fight, we're in Ultimusi's castle, and it does a thing that reminds me instantly of Final Fantasy XII, where it starts to lock out your um, your basic actions in gameplay. The what? When did that happen in twelve? The only one that comes to mind is there's like a boss battle where if like there's a magnet effect going on in the arena, and if you're wearing metal armor, you'll move way slower. That's the um, only thing I'm thinking of. Well, there, you're right. There are boss fights where they will lock out your ability to cast magic or physically attack for the duration of the boss fight. But there's a whole dungeon, the Pharos, the lighthouse. Right. The long one, yeah. Where you have to go up, and every level, it's like, all right, what do you want to unlock? You start with like, oh, no, it's the other way around. I'm sorry. What do you want to lock? So the higher you get up, the less you things start you can do. Losing, right. Oh. So it gets harder. And you start losing um, abilities to the point where you're near the end of the boss fight and you get your, your choice between what you want to stop. So you can turn off items, you can turn off physical attacks, you can turn off magic. Huh, I don't remember that uh, part. Huh. There's some other thing that you can turn off that's like a no-brainer. I forget what it is. Is but that the 100-floor dungeon or is it a different one? It's the same one, but you don't have to go. So the Pharos as like a giant lighthouse during the main campaign, you go up, I think about six stories and then the boss fight is there and you move on with the story. Or you can go down a hundred stories to an optional boss fight, which I've actually never done. Me neither. Holy <laughs> Very God. hard. That sounds awesome. And Dude, I want to play FF12 now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, we can again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, so this uh, um, dungeon does that, yeah? It locks out all your abilities at the start and you have to unlock From the them. start. So it's not the other way around. Yeah, it works the other way around where you have to fight these boss uh, fights to unlock uh, your abilities. So you get in there and you can't do almost anything and then you have to turn back command options like uh, junctions or... Not junctions. Uh, draw and... Yeah, item, draw, yeah, item. Magic so forth or the abilities that your gfs have so that makes it kind of interesting and they also let you scoot out the side door and go back into the overworld and i guess wrap up whatever side quests you haven't mm. done yet my, um, my opinion is that that final dungeon is the best dungeon in the game you think so because i wrote that this is kind of like a puzzle dungeon yeah, well, yeah. I also think it's kind of like a puzzle dungeon because you gotta, you can't, you can't. If I remember correctly, you can't go anywhere right off the bat. You gotta like find certain ways to go or something. Like, not everything is immediately accessible. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Um, for me, puzzle dungeons are always really annoying, though. <laughs> I don't know why. I think something about them not being in the rest of the game. Oh, if there's only and one, it, you don't like it, huh? There's only one at the end, and it's either either like a really hard-to-navigate maze. Final Fantasy X does this. Or like a really... 12 does. Like too, yeah. sloggy sort of... Yeah, 12 does to an extent. Um, like sloggy sort of puzzly dungeon. Mm. Like, why now? Why at the end? Why uh, only now? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, why only now? <laughs> yeah. I guess you're well, right. It wasn't that bad. Hmm. But it had like the most 
Well, I don't know. I guess all the other dungeons also had a lot of uh, interconnecting ways you could go. Yeah, I remember. I, I I have this memory that all of those other dungeons actually had a, a lot of complex. They did. Uh, design. I mean, some were more linear. The earlier ones obviously were more linear. The dungeon design in this game, I guess, not terrible. Um, I don't know what I think I'm looking for in the dungeon design. Um, it's a good question. I haven't really ever thought about it before. Like, what do I want out of a role-playing game dungeon? Do I want something linear where the focus is on combat and maybe some branching paths? Or do I want to have to explore? I guess it depends on how engaged I am with the combat. You know? I, yeah, well, I mean, if we're going to look at uh, Chrono Trigger, you know, it, uh, right. they, they totally consider just, uh, you know, how tired the player is from the previous dungeons when they when they make like the next area and stuff. So you know they have that part with uh, two long ass kind of long ass dungeons. You go to Magus's thing, and then right after that you go to freaking the Tyrannodome or something, and that's two <laughs> really long ass dungeons. But then right after that you go to the Magical Kingdom of Zeal, and there's no dungeon. You just walk around and talk to a whole bunch of people and get story and lore for a long time. And, uh, you know, I could see that annoying people, except that you just went through two long-ass dungeons. You don't want to do another one immediately, so you're happy about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, in my case, you know, after I've gone through a long-ass... In general, I say the bigger the better for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in general... I want there to eventually be a place where you where you get to a dungeon and it's like there's just like a straight freaking path right in front of you and as you walk forward you're going to get into a bunch of difficult fights and you just fight. It's like a gauntlet more than a dungeon. Uh and you know I look forward to that as being kind of a break from a long ass exploration sequence. So yeah, I suppose. I think I, I guess what I like are sort of the dungeon designs in uh like Xenosaga or whatever, where you have more or less a linear path and then little side branches that could do like extra things, yeah. Varying meaningful rewards, whether it's an item or a weapon or a whatever. Yeah. Maybe there's some light puzzle solving going on and then there's like a fucking drop down drag out boss fight at the end where it takes hours or <laughs> something. Yeah, I know, right? That's what that's my memory of it too. The yeah. boss fight takes an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh I guess that's what I'm looking for in my ideal dungeon. Um okay. I th this one was okay. I, I, you know, I think all the dungeons in this game were okay. I don't think I hated hmm. any part of that. Okay. Um Did you go through with uh are you have you been going through dungeons with uh uh encounters on or off? I usually, if I think I need to encounter something, I'll turn them on. But if I think I'm just trying to get, like, the gist of the encounters, I'll put it at half. I see. You never went through a whole area with encounters I feel off. like I might miss something. I, yeah, no. I, mm, yeah. I, I can't, maybe I should have. <laughs> no, no, maybe if they're driving you crazy, you can turn them off at least. Yeah. Once you have that ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um but after you kind of work your way, unless there was anything else you want to talk about the dungeon, we kind of end up no. right at the boss fight. Yeah, we're at the boss fight. Yeah, it's like so, freaking five, 
forms, right? Yeah, several forms. Ultimusia, and then Griever, and then Griever with Ultimusia like on it or in it or something. Yeah, shit. like who's junctioning what here? <laughs> exactly, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so that's and, an, a thing that I don't. An, another thing that I can't really, I don't understand. Um, you know, I couldn't play the game again to check, uh, but. Like you name your necklace right in this game, you name Squall's necklace. Freaking Zell's like, does your necklace have a name? Is like, yeah, of course it has a name. What is it? And then you can name the freaking necklace. That's right, I forgot. And the name is the necklace is freaking Griever, and the final boss here is named Griever. Like, what is the the that? What is that? I don't know. What is that, Mel? That's a good question. I hadn't <laughs> actually remembered um, that. It stood out to me back then. Like, why is it the same as my freaking necklace? <laughs> I guess it's supposed to represent some kind of personal overcoming or like personal demon. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting because I think you know that freaking necklace is a picture of a, a is a carving of a lion, and I believe right. the name of the song that plays during that boss battle is "Maybe I'm a Lion." So it might be something important there. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh yeah. I mean that, that's yeah, a that's, good question. I had <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Really I I'm sure they're trying to make that kind of connection where it's like this is a a demon from Squall. Like it's all such a personal story from him, even though it involves like world ending, you know demons from the moon and sorceresses <laughs> and yeah. time compression it really is about squall growing up yeah. basically that's like that's like the core of the message in the story is here's a young man learning to grow up and then shed yeah. some of these defense mechanisms that he built up around himself and stuff like that hmm. uh i guess this is an element of that yeah maybe uh, it is yeah not sure what the boss fight really says in terms of that element other than just yes this is an element of it mm -hmm. it's a really crazy boss fight and is another good example of really big set piece final fantasy boss design uh yeah i i like the look of it i thought it was kind of cool and crazy looking but they're usually pretty good at that um any comments on then, the final bosses Ah, mm. you know just not really <laughs> It was a battle. I kind of felt like that. I guess the combat, because it's so breakable, even by someone like myself who clearly wasn't even breaking it the right way. <laughs> I <laughs> was like breaking enough. it the wrong way. You basically had no problem Just, with the final boss then? Not really, no. Mm. Like, it does a lot of, like, I'm going to hit you real hard, bah, and then knock someone out or almost knock someone out, and that's kind of as tricky as it gets. Okay. But it... Uh, no, I don't think I really struggled with the combat in this game at the, all. The final Correct. form. Though that's that just shows how awesome you are, I guess. I guess. <laughs> the uh the final form has a uh spell that is not available anywhere else. Uh the final form of that sorceress Ultimicia. Um if you choose to I mean there's no point in stalking it cuz there's no post game, I don't believe. Yeah. Uh, if you choose to draw and then cast, you can cast a spell called Apocalypse on her that she has, which is pretty cool. Yes. But I mean, it's just another spell. It does some damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's uh yeah it's it's, it's pretty you know the combat in this game like we were saying pretty abusable pretty breakable but yeah. also it could be it's as much of a grind and a slog as you make it I suppose. Yeah, um, it depends. Oh, on, yeah, and what something you else I didn't mention was all of those like mini boss fights in this dungeon give you a second chance opportunity to redraw the GFs you missed. That's right. So did you get some new ones? I did. Yeah, I think I had eight before I came in here. Okay. And whichever ones I was able to draw, I did. But I didn't know what to do with all these GFs that I hadn't leveled. Or, you know, like, what's the point of having them? I guess you can summon them, and they do a little damage and Did you, stuff here and there. Sorry, this is the thing I meant to ask you before that I forgot, because you eventually got um, uh, the Cerberus GF, which allows you to junction speed. And I was wondering... Oh, yeah, you said something about make sure you do... I didn't... No, I was, like, speed, like, super OP to, like, boost up all the way. Um, yeah, because, you know, you'll get way more turns, right, if you max turns, out the speed right. stuff. Um I guess that's not what I want to ask. What I wanted to ask is, did you ever find the Cactuar's enemies? The Cactuar enemies? You know those little mm-hmm. cactus dudes mm-hmm. that look like they're running away from you? Yeah, I know the Cactuar's. Was there like a special place that I had to go that I didn't go? I don't think so. I thought they were like where you end up with the Ragnarok. Like maybe... Like, you know, you're just on that little island. Where, where the hell there's do you cact- land? There's a Cactuar summon, isn't there? There is. And I think that... Um, well, yeah, if you and go there's there, a, there's a whole bunch of them, too, I think. But I, there, mean, I don't think I got all the summons, because some of them, are, I think, are still locked behind side quests. Like, I know there's a Tonberry summon. Right. That was actually in the uh, Odin area. Oh, is that what you get? I figured it would have been Odin. No, you get Odin, but uh, oh. there's an area in there where you'll just fight normal Tonberry enemies. And if you kill, like, say, 20 of them, a, a oh, King geez. Tonberry will come out. At the end of one of the battles, and, and then if you kill that, you get him as a summon. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I just wondering because I remember actually just naturally, just not not doing any particular high level exploration or anything, just naturally coming across Cactuars eventually, and having my mind blown uh, when I found out that each one gives you twenty APO. They're the metal slime of this game, right? They basically so are. Yeah, they it's run just away AP and they're big, hard to yeah. kill. Yeah. Yes, they run away and you miss a lot if uh, you're likely to miss a lot, but you, you kill them and uh, you get 20 AP. You get into battle with three of them, instant 60 AP if you can kill them all. So <laughs> right. exactly. I maxed out. I remember back then even, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm just I'm going to sit here and max out all the abilities because why not? <laughs> now that I can do it very quickly. <laughs> right, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, there's every, I think it's like, one of those uh, role-playing game staples. You gotta have an enemy that does that. Yeah, it's hard to kill. Runs away quickly, and yeah, you can grind on them if you have this or that right accessory or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's always a fun thing. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fun. Um, okay. So yeah. Sorry. So, the, so you beat the, the final boss, boss fight. I guess. Yeah, the boss <laughs> fight, and then the fucking the plot tries its hardest. To come in for a landing, it's like wings so, are popping off the side, and it's coming <laughs> burning up hot, and panels are flying off, and oh damn, <laughs> it's coming so, in real hot. <laughs> so wait, so what happens? They finish going through time compression, and then 
And it's yeah, like a there's tri- a whole lot of weird special effects happen. Right, and for then time compression, yeah. And then you arrive... The time compression. At, Still don't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And, well, but it's just it's time compression effects, basically. Whatever that is. Yeah. And then yeah, you arrive at the flower field, finally? Is that what happens? Yeah, you're, you're outside the orphanage near the flower fields. And mm-hmm. um, the Ultimusia shows up with the matron, Adea, and she's. You learn here and now that a sorceress can't die or something unless she passes on her powers. Oh, okay. So Ultimusia is giving her powers back to Adea, I guess. So she's going to be a and sorceress again? I guess. And what? this part really didn't make sense to me. Hmm. So Ultimusia dies. Yeah, Ultimusia dies. Adea takes her powers and dot 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 happens. I'm not really sure. Right, is she going to turn evil again or what? Yeah, I guess that's supposed to be left as an open question or something. But, um, you know... (laughs) So you didn't (sighs) get enough resolutions is what you're saying. No, I mean, it all kind of comes to an end at the final credit scenes where there's that home video that yeah. I guess <laughs> selfie is taking, which is actually really well done. Kind of like that entire sequence. It's yeah. an FM sequence. Yeah, it it's a very long charming. Time. Yeah, it's cute. Very, like it a lot. very cute and very sort of sentimental and you just yeah. kind of wish it was the ending of a different game that had a plot you could follow or care about more. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, the best it part was of really that... compelling. Yeah, yeah, the best part of the video is you get to see freaking Zell eating hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, Zell's eating hot dogs and he's like choking and <laughs> It's all very kind of funny and endearing, and you get to realize, I guess I have spent a lot of time with these characters, and they're all kind of charming and quirky in their own weird way. And you you do get the impression more in this game than I guess any other Final Fantasy that these are all kids, and they're... It's like prom, basically, is what they're at right now. That's what it seems like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they're all kind of hanging out and having fun, and they're goofy and whatever. And I think it's kind of fun. You know, it feels like the end of a school year type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that scene is, is kind of directed and shot pretty well. And again, I just kind of wish it was the conclusion of a story where these kids actually went through something I could, could relate to, maybe. Yeah, could follow. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I don't know that it would have been such a big ask to do that. I mean, they're, I don't know, have a big bad guy, and then they go and they kill him. Like, it didn't have to be this weird, convoluted... Time travel time thing, right? Tra- yeah. yeah. So, hmm. I guess... If they, I guess what you're looking for, then, that, that that is not there, is you needed more explanation of the whole Ultimisha time travel plot, maybe? And, I guess. And yeah, and how alone or what alone was trying to do with these people. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of question marks, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think if I sat down with the script to this game, I could probably rework it into something that I think would feel like more of a digestible journey. Mm-hmm. With, like, the majority of the cast involved, Laguna and Adea and whatever, just minus a lot of the weird time travel 
and the flashbacks and some of the other weird mm-hmm. Adele, I think could go away entirely. It's a completely unnecessary character. And a oh, lot yeah. of what happens in Esther, I feel like is sort of unimportant, sort of un- unimportant in a way that where it could have been important, but it wasn't. And I think the sorceress calling down monsters from the moon, because that's where monsters come from is awesome. That's cool. <laughs> I think that idea is cool. I think there are a lot of really cool ideas in this game that just kind of, they have to share space with all these other worse ideas, and so they make them more forgettable. Mm. Uh, the whole concept of Lunatic Pandora doing this gets kind of pushed aside because this even crazier time travel plot is involved with all these different sorceresses and whatever. And then Adea being not only effectively your mother, but also the antagonist is a big deal in the plot. And for a game that has to do with like character development and growing up and becoming an adult, you you might imagine a plot point like that would factor in more importantly to the story than it does. And it doesn't, Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, what would, what would what would that do to you? The person who basically raised you is someone that you're now assigned to murder. Right. And, and the, then it just kind of goes away and she's okay again, but not really, but maybe. Like, that kind of element uh, should factor more into the development of the characters and they should be calling back to it. And this matron person should be more of a concern, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. in their lives then because she's at risk of becoming this evil sorceress again right almost like a moment and you know because there's all this other stuff that has to get addressed with alone and laguna and the other sorceress and the other sorceress it all kind of gets put further and further in the back seat and it's like they don't give you time enough to let these elements breathe when on top of all of these things happening with all of this plot development, they also try to make it a more personal story with Squall. And I'm like, you could have done that. You really could have done that. Hmm. They could have, yeah. I see what you're saying. That's a cool assessment, I think. I I didn't have any of that assessment back in the day. Um like I said back in the day, I I was just happy that I get to you know play as the schoolboy running around the garden, and going on missions, right. and I get to meet the cute girl, and that was a good right. that was good enough for me. And you know, fighting the sorceress and all that stuff, and uh, and then as time went on, when I played it a little bit later, I was like, dude, I'm now that I found out about the cards, I'm just gonna play cards in the garden and be yeah, a schoolboy. Uh-huh. And yeah, I never really uh, thought too much about. All the time travel mechanics the, and stuff. Mm. Putting uh, putting me in this context of this show, I'm definitely whipping out like a pretty strong magnifying glass on the plot for this game. I probably right. wouldn't have done that either had back I played then. it yeah. back then. Yeah. Or even just whenever. Because I think some upcoming games that I have played that you'll play, mm. I'm already thinking of things I hadn't thought about. Uh-huh. Um terms of like story development and stuff so i think this is just giving me the excuse to like analyze (laughs) the game in new ways 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you know, the surface of it, school, schoolboy, uh, uh, drama isn't really the right word, but like setting uh, where he and his friends go off on an adventure to fight some sorceress. It's kind of like the grounding of the game, and then everything kind of gets like crazy, wacky, and wild from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to uh, go deep into all the story elements and all the themes, even, um, mm-hmm. and for the audience as well, the the podcast to listen to is Resonant Arc. Uh, they mm-hmm. have also, just like we have done here, a five part or so, four or five part series just about um, Final Fantasy VIII, and uh, they they do cover gameplay as well, but. Their main focus is story, story and writing and themes, those kind of things. Um, sure. And so, yeah, you know, they go deep into how do you pronounce this person's name? And okay. Even that, even that. And is Sorceress Adela Bora girl? And um, uh, I learned a whole bunch of things that I never knew uh, from there. So if you want the constant mind blows type of podcast, and why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> go listen to Resonant Arc cover final fantasy 8 and i think you'll have a good time if you listen to that mel um mm. and do uh, they talk mm. about or have you heard of the fan theory that like squall doesn't exist i only heard or the that theory he was... that squall is dead dead right right yeah he dies supposedly um in when he gets hit with the ice by with the ice Sources yeah we Dea. talked about this last episode yeah so and then everything beyond that he's it's not just actually his dying alive dream anymore. or something yeah. yeah yeah something like that yeah 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 i've heard that fan theory but <laughs> um, i mean everybody knows that one it actually isn't a true theory it's just a fun theory right it's a fun fan theory i had yeah. actually heard of that before playing this game and it was lingering in the back of my mind i'm like <laughs> mm, was this really and I couldn't really grasp onto it. Like, I, if there are signs of it or whatever, n- not ones that I saw. Mm. I don't know. People were just saying because everything's too ridiculous and crazy starting from disc two that it just doesn't make enough sense. So it must be he's dead. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, uh, I believe the, the creator even came out and said, that's totally not, he's not dead. Yet. Okay. <laughs> He's alive. Yeah, he didn't die, you guys. Okay, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that would be fun, I think, for you as well, Mel, if you're interested. Um, Got a couple of uh, questions then. Sure. Um, okay, one that's not related to Final Fantasy VIII, but you gave me this idea when you were explaining how to travel forward in time by going 99% the speed of light. Uh-huh. What happens if you actually make it to the speed of light? Well, you can't. But what? Okay. You physically can't. Well, you can't phys. You mean your body can't? Well, well, I mean, we already physically can't get to ninety nine percent either. So you could at least theoretically get to ninety nine percent the speed of light, but you cannot even theoretically get to one hundred percent the speed of light. It's like what is the guarantee not to be possible? Just because you're Um, heavier than light is that the reason? Is that what it is? It's something to do with the fact that photons don't travel through the fabric of space the same way that physical matter does because photons oh. are not physical it's only a thing that photon or light waves can do can do okay i see all right <laughs> and then with that out of the way um <laughs> i guess uh, yeah just two things so 
you talked a lot about how awesome the graphics look throughout the game and all those, especially sure. all those CG scenes. Um, and my my favorite thing uh, aside, uh, was all the just the freaking the backgrounds and the machine type looking areas and. But uh, not much talk about music from you. I mean, we talked about the battle theme and the True. fanfare. Right. But one area I expected you to say, dude, the music stepped on it, yo, was uh, <laughs> that freaking final, the final area and all those boss battles at the end. Like, True. nothing stood out? Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I know you only heard right, each didn't. one once, but... Uh, yeah, like I guess it just didn't leave an impression. I'm not sure why. Just the game soundtrack overall is not leaving an impression with you. Didn't really get jazzed mm. in any big way. I mean, the opening cutscene, sure, scene, yeah. because it's iconic and I knew about it. Yeah, but there's uh, <laughs> that guitar riff, that sort of like mellow romance thing they they lean back on every once in a while oh you mean like when you're in a town or something yeah there's this they play it several times it's usually during a dialogue sequence when there's some vaguely romantic thing happening with squall oh you know the one it's got like a a couple guitar like oh i know which one yes yeah i think you is that the one do you think i think so yeah i think i know which one you mean yeah okay yeah um i'll just throw out a few that like stand out to me and i think to others as well how about this one does that ring a bell to you yes it does okay I, I liked it. I mean, I, I don't know why. I guess I'm going to have to go back and re-listen and just make sure I was paying attention or whatever. I had the audio on. It's not like I was playing the game on mute. Right, right. <laughs> what about the uh, the ending song is one of my favorite songs because it takes that vocal Eyes on Me song. It's vocal mm-hmm. again here, but now it's the full orchestrated version of it. Yeah, during still a very good song. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I mean, uh, I don't know. I guess uh, you didn't like it as much as love. I did. I guess. <laughs> I guess not. I guess yeah. not. Uh, but that's not to say I hated any of it. Um, yeah, that's fine. Mm. I think it all worked. Cool. A uh, couple other ones. Um, one of the most popular ones is the final, final boss theme. Uh, it's called The Extreme. Uh, like, it's when you first start fighting her, it starts off with this nylon string guitar or acoustic guitar sounding thing. It's like dun 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 and just does that for a long time and it adds a harp over it, but it never gets really heavy until much later. It's like a really long intro. And then finally, when it gets starts getting heavy, it's I think it's the only time it does it in the whole game, it plays the iconic battle bass line like the one that you would hear in ff6 it's in every ff i think that it finally busts out that bass line during that song <laughs> you don't remember it huh i think i do now yes mm. and i was like oh that's a callback yeah because that was such a big crazy like not mess but there was a lot going on in that boss fight and i now that you say that i do i do recall 
them running that mm. that scene back up the up the flagpole, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then there's my all time favorite song from this game is I think it's the song when you fight the first form of griever, and I think the song is called Maybe I'm a Lion or maybe it's a different song. But there's this one part that gets me every time. I don't even think it sounded. I've heard it sound better in a live orchestra or in anything. I don't think I've ever heard it sound better than it does in the original PS1 version. It's like you're fighting that big lion thing, and it's got it's got these flutes at the at the beginning going like for a long time, and then all of a sudden that all just stops and there's just a bass line going, and I'm like, what the hell is about to happen? What is about to come up? And right after that freaking just is just a bass and nothing else, all of a sudden the freaking violin section comes in like and my mind gets blown every time I hear that. I guess it didn't blow yours as much as it blew mine. I'm going to have to re-listen to this soundtrack and make sure I'm paying attention because you are upselling me pretty hard. Yeah, so that that's my favorite song uh, in FF8 for people who wanted to know. I recommend mm. that one. I think it's called uh, Maybe I'm a Lion. I really want to go check now. But yeah, lots of uh, popular, uh, uh, famous songs in this game. But you didn't really, I don't know, they didn't stand out to you that much, I guess. Like the songs where you fight not. sorceresses and stuff, like Adeo and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because I remember you had to remind me. It was like, hey, did you notice the fanfare is different? I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. All right. Then, last thing I want to ask you is uh, to rank this among just your favorite Final Fantasy games. So, you've played now four, okay. six, seven, and eight, and t- 10, and 12. Four, six, seven, eight, 10, and 12. Your favorite one is 12. Am I right? Yeah. That's going to be pretty hard to unseat and amongst other Final Fantasy games, like that's going to be a hard one to topple. I mean, the gameplay format is really... I mean, not just the... Is that correct? It's not just the writing, but also the gameplay format of this kind of MMO-style game is also appealing to you in that game? Yeah, I really like everything about that game. Almost, There's almost not a component to it I don't like. It's kind of hard to <laughs> top that for mm, me yeah so yeah i mean i don't think there's any other ff game that has a similar style as that game so yeah probably yeah. no way you're gonna beat that one what's your next favorite after that though uh four I six guess, seven eight and ten i guess i really do think i like six a lot hmm. um so I guess going from what I have from top to bottom, it would be uh, 12, 6, 4. You prefer 4 to 7 and 8, huh? And then, yeah, so 12 at the top, 6. Yeah, six. And then four. 4 is the next best one, really? Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe, because the rest I'm not in love with. Um, I like 4. Four is not bad. Four was the um, one. Well, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> Four was the one with all the constant um, forcing forced party members upon you, dude. No, I know. I get it. And I hate that. But <laughs> Okay. Right. <laughs> there okay. are parts of it I liked. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a solid game overall, too. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, so, I don't know, maybe if not four, then that's trying nice. to think so of where, if, like, 13 and 7 and 8 even fit yeah. in this list. I'd probably put 15. 13 at the bottom. Okay. So we still got 7, and then, 8, and f- 10 remaining. Oh, yeah. Ten, uh, Do you like 10 more than 4 or less than 4? You know, only because I have more of a memory of 10, I'd probably put it at, like, 12, uh, 6, 10, 10. then 4. So then it's between 7 and 8, huh? Hmm. Then 7 and 8 are, like, somewhere neck and neck. It just depends on what I'm grading it on, because where 7 gameplay is good... Eight's gameplay is bad, and where eight's story <laughs> is good, seven's story, story is, is bad. bad. Mm. So they almost like complement each other in a weird way. It depends mm. on what I'm more interested in at the moment. I guess overall, it's kind of hard to deny that seven is a better success and a better package, like from a top-down view, than eight is. Well, I think. Hmm. Well, what do you think would have happened if? Uh... When PlayStation 1 came out, they made this game as FF7 instead of the Cloud Story. Do you think this game could have done it? Like, And it got the same marketing push and everything. Do you think it would have been as... I think it would have been as big of a deal. Or is the story... I mean, you said the story in 7 is not good, but I, you know, a lot of people freaking love Cloud and Sephiroth. And the I death scene... I think the story would have not made a difference. I think it's the combat. I really think it's the nuts and bolts of 8 that people rejected more okay. than the story. I think they say the story is like, wow, unforgivable, when Seven story has more than its fair share of flaws and just like fucking whatever the hell garbage going on with it. I think people endear themselves to it because the game it is was... Good. The game is, was good, and 7 also caught up in itself a lot of people who didn't play role-playing games because the marketing of 7 was, this isn't a role-playing game, it's an action game. You know, you're out here kicking ass uh-huh. as this guy, Cloud. And so a lot more people who didn't play role-playing games bought 7 and liked it because, as it turns out, people like things they haven't tried. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, a lot of people just who never went on to play any other role-playing game after that still say Seven is a really great game, and they love Aerith and this blah blah blah. Sephiroth is so cool. Yeah. Um, so you so don't to think... me that I'm not so sure that the story of it is really its biggest problem. I think it's you more think it's gameplay stuff, the combat. Yeah. yeah, it is really slow without that triple speed, yo. <laughs> It is, and it's also really kind of convoluted. It's a little try too clever by half. It's trying to do something with the combat system, and it's trying a little too hard. I think ever since they introduced the active time-based system, they've always been chasing that next innovation, mm. and I don't know that they ever quite cornered it or well, found it out. No. They didn't get it in the battle system, but I think that innovation, they did corner one innovation, and that was including the card game. <laughs> I mean, that well, became I mean, the next like huge they... thing of all time in all RPGs ever after that, right? Like you said. Oh, uh, yeah, fair. I mean, they changed it, what is it called? Triple Triad yeah. in uh, 9, 
They changed it to Tetra Master, but I mean Tetra Master. I'm sorry, they call it. Yeah, I always got the two. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's kind of the big. I suppose that's the big innovation that made a big impact that FFA brought. Never, maybe. I mean, they never did it in the other ones, though. After nine, there was a big ass card game in twelve. That's true. There were no mini games or in twelve. It was yeah. like or ten. Now there was. If you're being very kind and charitable, you could say that the Blitzball is the main minigame in 10. What do you mean being terrible? It's definitely uh, charitable. It's I said, obviously the, the main minigame in 10. Is I know, but it sucks. Oh, <laughs> and you wouldn't I like want it. to play it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't think it was very good, but mm. I didn't spend a lot of time with it, so maybe I'm missing something. But there were no main like minigames in 12, which now that I'm thinking on it, it's kind of strange. <laughs> I suppose you're right, but I mean, I there guess was nothing. Means, right, there was nothing. Just the only side thing in the whole game was hunts, which is just hunts, the same which is just game more combat. Right, it's just more combat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah, there was no like discrete mini game that had nothing to do with the systems of combat, a card game or sports type game or racing or any of the other shit that was in seven. Um, snowboarding. (laughs) There's (laughs) none of that. They totally cut out all of like the, all right, now for this one five minute sequence only, you know, Vaughn has to run really fast down a hill. Like, it never happens. Oh, it had the, uh, (laughs) it had one mini game, the I'm Vosh von Ronsenberg of Dalmasco scene. Oh, (laughs) yes. You're right. You have to go around convincing people that you're Bosch. (laughs) <laughs> if you can count right, that as a, as a that's game. as close as they really get to it I think yeah I mean all you do is just stand somewhere and then push a button and see who yeah but that's definitely still in the vein like Final Fantasy games for a long time loved to do some non sequitur minigame where you're just like not engaging with any of the other systems in the game mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's true okay so we're of similar uh, opinions I also prefer 12 at the top and I think I think I prefer six next after that. I'm not entirely sure, though. I don't know. I, uh, But being a schoolboy and playing cards as Squall in Balam Garden always sounds appealing to me, though. But then I don't feel like I want to beat the whole game. I just want to hang out at the garden. And sure. I want I want to play up through disc one all the time. Uh, and then, but yeah, once I start thinking about D District Prison, even though I can play it with no uh, encounters on, I don't know. I, I don't feel like running through there and after that. <laughs> what I, that's yeah, how I'm yeah. feeling now, anyway. I mean, whatever. I'm not but a really good you... person to comment on uh, most Final Fantasy games anymore because you know they they very quickly, you know, they're like the main RPG series back in the day, and most people found RPGs through either Dragon Quest or um, Final Fantasy, but and I did too. But as soon as I found some other games, probably more like you also found some other games that you thought do better, I was like, you know what, forget about Final Fantasy already. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I played FF9 and I had a good time, but I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Star Ocean is better. Valkyrie Profile is better. (laughs) So Yeah, you kind of found people who were doing things that were more in your style. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Definitely. Yeah. All right, I think we're done, man think so yeah so thank you everyone for listening and uh 
This is the time you need the comment that you guys need to make. Besides all the you know corrections of things we didn't know about the story, <laughs> you can definitely tell us what we're not yes. figuring out here. For, I want to know if you guys know. I want to know what is the text or in the game or the hint in the game that freaking Laguna Squall's dead. I don't remember it. Mm. But everybody's like, no, it's his dad. It's his dad for sure. So I don't know what I'm missing, <laughs> and neither does Mel because he didn't find it out either. Neither, yeah. Um, Maybe I missed it. Yeah. So if, please tell us. But the the other important thing to tell us in the comment section is: Do you prefer this multi episode per game format or not? Uh, mm -hmm. That's what we need to know. Um, and we'll go back and listen to them, and we'll decide our opinions of it as well. Uh, but until then, uh, we got the next game up on the block that I'm gonna play yeah. for this show. It is Diablo 3. Ooh. I All right. I have, yeah, my history with this game is that I've never played Diablo 3. I heard about its release, though, and uh, I received it as a present because a friend of mine works at Blizzard. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you have any experience with the Diablo series at all? I played Diablo 1. Get this Ooh. on PlayStation. <laughs> gotcha. PS One. Yeah. yeah, I didn't play it on PC. I never played Diablo Two, which was the insane big seller one. I know. I never yeah. played that one. Uh, I don't think that one that one ever came out on any console, which is probably the reason. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah, but I had a good time uh, back in the day. I did enjoy the whole grind of going in Diablo. Diablo One. There's only one dungeon. And there's only one town. Uh, you right. just you go into the dungeon, go as far down into it as you can, and then it's like, okay, I'm about to die. Let's go back up. And then hope that some of the items you picked up are better than the ones you're wearing now, and you wear those instead, and then go back down again. And that's all you do for the whole game. Um, right. Right. And uh, I can tell you, though, you guys now, though, I've already finished the game. It did not take that long at all. So... Whichever format you prefer, Diablo 3 uh, will be just one episode because uh, right. I'm done. <laughs> I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys can look forward to that. Anything else to say, Mel? Uh, no, I think that's it. We'll be, I guess, launching into our next episode very soon. Should be able to get that out the door or at least the recording done. Uh quite next soon. week hopefully yeah and then we'll announce uh <laughs> your the next, next game, game that i'll be playing uh, at the end of that episode so look forward to that yep so you're gonna have to make a choice yes sir i think i have an idea in mind okay cool all right thank you everyone for watching see you guys next time good night bye-bye <laughs>